Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Monoreal Radio. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here this week to review and discuss WandaVision. We're finally going to do it. Yeah, you know, we kind of waited a while to get to this for a couple of reasons. The first being that we did want to see Doctor Strange. It's kind of like a part A, part B. We wanted to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness before discussing WandaVision because admittedly, as much as WandaVision had so much hype around it, we really did not like the finale the first time that we saw it. Right. We enjoyed the whole show, and I absolutely loved the communal viewing experience. But that last episode left such a sour taste in our mouths. It wasn't like Dexter bad as far as the ending goes. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Maybe that is a bad comparison because we love Dexter just as much, even though we hated the ending. Right. I think what soured us on the ending was finding out that Doctor Strange was supposed to be in the finale, finding out they didn't really finish the finale. And I would like to point out that there was one and only one episode that we got up at three in the morning to watch, and it was this finale for this show. So I think all of that combined kind of left us a little sour. That's what did it for me. I wish Kevin Feige had just kept his mouth shut because we would have never known otherwise. And I think that's it. You don't know what you don't know. So without that, I would have thought they landed the plane and this would have been one of my favorite series in all of Marvel out of anything that's come to Disney+. Plus. But because he said that, I was like, why? Why would you tell us what we didn't get? And that's such... Honestly, that's something that annoys me when any filmmaker does that. You have to stand behind your work. You have to stand by what the finished product was. There are a million decisions that go into the production process and double that in post-production. So everything is always changing than what you initially intended it to be because something's either not working or something you realize something works better. So... I mean, yeah, there's director cuts and there's behind the scenes interviews and sometimes those things are talked about, but I just feel like this was in such poor taste to come out and say, yeah, he was supposed to be there, but he wasn't, especially because this show dropped in early 2021. We were in the midst of pandemic part two, so you can only imagine how production was affected in 2020 and it did have an impact on the end result. I would have rather not known about that. But that's just me. And we did the rewatch after seeing Doctor Strange. And we held this episode for a little while because we are going to talk some spoilers. And we didn't want to ruin anything for anybody who hasn't seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness yet. But you've had a week. So, so now warning. we're going to talk about it. And a fair warning. <laughs> yes, and a fair warning. So, so if your movie gets spoiled, this is on you at this point. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, just save this episode and come back to it later after you've watched Doctor Strange. We're not going to get into it too much, but I f- think for the point that we're trying to make, for the reasons we wanted to do this rewatch, and to really talk about Wanda's character, 
there's no way to discuss WandaVision without getting into her role in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So we're gonna we're we're not gonna focus on that too much because eventually we will review that film on its own down the line. But for now, we might be dipping in and out of it. Right, because the big question that we're gonna have to answer for ourselves is upon a second viewing post multiverse of madness was this show better that's going to be the big question i can actually answer that now because for me i just enjoyed diving back into this world again uh and enjoying the episodes for what they were and getting able to relive all these classic television series instead of being so focused on all of the predictions this time around. Right. Uh, Like I did miss that and I missed all of the social media discussion that followed it. But I think this was a totally different viewing experience. Dr. Strange's side, just being able to watch without being so focused on what might happen. Uh, so we're going to go episode by episode. Yeah. We'll do a brief description as a recap, um, you know, for those who haven't watched WandaVision in a while. And then we'll we'll break down the episodes individually and then we'll talk about the series as a whole. So here we go. Episode one filmed before a live studio audience. Wanda and Vision are new to the neighborhood and meet their new neighbor, Agnes. They are also hosting Vision's boss, Mr. Hart, and his wife for dinner, which leads to a hilarious confusion when Wanda and Vision confuse it for their anniversary. After a comedy of errors and near misses, they pull off the meal while they also try and figure out how they got there and why. The scene mysteriously turns to color, and we see a control panel in a television studio, or what we think is a control panel in a television studio. Um, the introduction to this episode is absolutely brilliant. It really is. The opening theme is so catchy and they absolutely nailed capturing that era of television. But I think that's one of the pitfalls of this show is that these numbers are so catchy and the visuals are so distracting. You're actually not listening to the lyrics, which are telling you everything that you need to know. In this case, it's not giving too much away, but it's just a good recap of where Wanda and Vision ended up after, well, not necessarily after we last saw them in Avengers, but it's a good recap of their relationship and how they got together. Well, yeah, and the question that I had immediately is when in the timeline is any of this happening or is this entire thing just meant to be a satire? I mean, before we see the control panel, I couldn't quite figure out exactly what was going on. It was like, I know that you were trying to spin off the MCU and do other projects. So I thought, did you just find these two characters and try to make something quirky and funny out of it? Agreed. I wasn't sure about the timeline either. I actually thought at first that she brought him back to life because she is really the most powerful being in the MCU. And because he's an android, I didn't think he was ever really gone, especially when you think about how Vision was created in Age of Ultron because Ultron sort of overtook Jarvis and then eventually when they get the Mind Stone they're able to give him a body with the technology that they have to grow tissue I always kind of thought 
that he'd be able to re- be reborn in some way, shape, or form. And I right. thought that Wanda figured out a way to do that without Stark and Banner. Right. Because, I mean, like you said, she's the most powerful being in the MCU. Clearly, she would have the ability to just work her magic and bring him back. Um, I love the corny dialogue, the laugh track, but more than anything, it's the inflections. It's how they say everything, Viz. I'm going to just say this right now. The entire cast from top to bottom, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, Catherine Hahn, from top to bottom, especially when they're doing these period pieces, they nail them so well that it's a surprise to me that there were nominations handed out, but that they didn't clean house at any of the major awards because they were just that good. I completely agree. I think this is one of those cases where the suits and the uppity ups won't acknowledge how good this actually is because it is Marvel and they won't, you know, it, it it's the curse of the superhero movie won't get the Oscar, you right. know, it sort of had that same stigma because aside from this brilliant cast, I think one of the things that really should have gotten recognized was how much they nailed the production design, the writing, as you said, just how they were able to capture these eras of television as a whole. And I think that maybe younger audiences don't appreciate that much, that as much as people our age necessarily, because you and I were in the unique position where, um, you know, we would grow up watching TV in the afternoon and the Brady Bunch and shows that our parents were watching were still airing as reruns, you know, during the day when you could easily access them. It wasn't something that was on later at night at primetime. So we were able to grow up on some of these shows much in the same way that our parents did. And the other advantage that we had was there was just far less to consume. So when you were filling these day parts you would just dive in to the catalog and re-air older television shows. And we had the good fortune of being able to get exposed to a lot of these older classic television shows. And I think that that's something that kids now might not be able to relate to just because, first of all, there's just so much television. But the way that my aunt loved I Love Lucy and she would pass it on to me and I would watch it with her... There's just so much more out there now where like a show like that might get missed because if your parents or your aunt or your uncle is showing you their favorite show from childhood, it's going to be from a completely different era. You know, this is this is part of like growing up in that last generation of we didn't have cell phones yet. So we kind of got the best of both worlds. And we didn't have streaming, you know, right, right. For us, you know, your your Gen Xers really your really in an interesting position where to the point you just made our parents are showing us television shows that they watched but those shows at the time some of them were only 20 years old right so they're still of significant relevance yes like the brady bunch um and i mean shows like i love lucy are just so iconic we were fortunate enough where nick at night 
would air. And it wasn't like, okay, we're going to do a four-hour block of this. It would be maybe two episodes at best and then move on to something else. Right. So you would have Bewitched, Dragnet, Green Acres. Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock would come on later. Um, and, you know, you, we had that. And yes, you had things like the Brady Bunch that aired during the day. But then the other shows that they're parroting here, Growing Pains, Full House, Malcolm in the Middle. These were shows that we grew up on. That we were a yes. target audience. So these are our shows and we're watching these retro shows the way that a kid would go back now and watch How I Met Your Mother or Firefly. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, they would find it now, a show from 20 years ago. Th- that's why we're in a really unique position with WandaVision. Because we've seen television from every era. Now there's just so much of it. And it's not to say that it can't be discovered. All of these shows, for the most part, are out there. That's the beautiful thing about streaming. You can go watch I Love Lucy. The question is, like, does a kid now go find it? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, back in the day, if something went out of syndication, it was just gone. Yes. Now, it's never truly out of syndication. You can always just go find it. But to your point, does the kid want to go find it? Does a kid want to go find Home Improvement and see where Buzz Lightyear came from? I hope that that's what this show did is open their the kids eyes to what else is out there. And, you know, maybe they do go do a little bit of a deep dive into these classic shows because the comedy is just it's so great. I mean, I don't know that you necessarily appreciate it now because the comedy is so simple and it's beautiful in its simplicity. So I think that that is something that kids could sort of appreciate is just this different style of humor. They might not find it as funny as their favorite show right now, but I think, especially if you're into comedy and to understand comedy, it is important to watch all of these shows with the witty dialogue, like you said, and you know the brilliant sight gags because that's what they had to work with. Yeah, and you know, I was watching, and we'll we'll get back onto Wandavision in a moment, but we're on this conversation. I was watching The Honeymooners last night, um, which is a show that I love in its simplicity. These were very basic sets. You can tell that a lot of them are hand-painted. This was a show that aired live. There were no retakes. And the most amazing thing about The Honeymooners is that you think it ran forever? The Honeymooners consisted of 39 episodes. No That's kidding. all it was. And all of these years later, it's still the same 39 episodes. But why is that? Because the writing is witty. The performances are incredible in their simplicity. And they're even simpler than a Dick Van Dyke or an I Love Lucy or a Bewitched. So, yeah, if you really want to deep dive into really great comedy, just bare bones funny These are the types of things that I think, as a purist, you hope people find, and you hope that there's a renewed interest in it after the success of WandaVision. No, and to your point, that's where the actors and the producers and the direct, like, they just got it. You can tell that television fans made this show because they were able to pull from all these different shows in the genre and give little 
hat tips and nods to every single one of them. Like for me, when they see the heart on the calendar and they're trying to figure out what it means, this is probably my favorite scene, certainly in the first episode, maybe even the whole series, because of the back and forth and the chemistry between Wanda and Vision, how they, you you can tell, like I believe them as a couple, uh, but to be able to translate that to a different time and still get that chemistry the same way that you would feel about watching Ricky and Lucy, I, I thought they just knocked this out of the park. Right. I mean, they so perfectly nailed this moment in television because it was a very small window that they had this, this I Love Lucy, because everything else tried to be I Love Lucy. Most of it failed. And then, you know, everything sort of pivoted after that. But this window was so narrow, but they nailed it so beautifully. It was magnificent how well they pulled it off here. And that dialogue is, a, is the perfect example of how they pull it off. No, and the attention to detail is incredible, too, because even when we meet Agatha for the first time, you know, you've got that trope of the neighbor just knock knocking at the door. Um, it's very subtle. But when they when they open the door, you see that painted backdrop, which is what you had for sets back then. And it was supposed to look cheap uh, in, in the context of WandaVision being produced in 2020. It looks cheap. Right. But back then, that is period accurate to what the back of a set would look like. These shows weren't filmed on a back lot. They were, and that's, this is why I love the episode title so much, they were filmed in front of a live studio audience. So if you needed to cheat a neighborhood, you painted it. It's not like the set of WandaVision where they took over an entire studio back lot. Right. Um and I love when Vision realizes exactly what it is that's going to be happening that night. Yes. And the miscommunication while he's on the phone with Wanda. Again, it's just brilliant screenwriting where Wanda, because of Agatha, thinks that it's their anniversary. She needs to seduce her husband. And he's trying to explain that he's nervous about their first time hosting a dinner party. The whole thing just nails. It it really does. It's so smart setting up because this is where during this dinner scene, things really start to go awry, not just yes. with the dinner, but as far as the audience being clued to something going on that we are not just in this perfect sitcom. Um, so it's great for the context of WandaVision, but they also capture so many of the shows of this era were because of that misunderstanding where you're talking about the same thing, but you, you and your significant other think it means something different. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say it was a trope of that old television, but it certainly happened enough, but seemed to never really lose its luster, and they really nailed it perfectly here. Particularly with I Love Lucy, where she would overhear one of Ricky's phone calls and yes. then think he was either cheating on her or was going to leave her, so, and it, it spun out of control, and that was your whole episode. Um, Agnes, 
in this scene is brilliant too, where she's trying to convince Wanda to seduce him because they are sort of poking fun at what the women's role was in the fifties and sixties. And, uh, you know, the place was in the home and this is how you please your husband. And like when they're reading from the magazine, it's just hysterical. Right. And when she's so comes, dated, when she comes back later, when Wanda doesn't have any food for the dinner and she's like, oh, I always have a four course meal just sitting in the refrigerator ready to go. It was Here's my recipe for lobster thermidor. Oh, oh, it's so good. The whole thing is just so good. And then, yeah, that dinner scene is perfectly awkward. Um they just unfold everything so well where you're thinking that Wanda is just sort of the fish out of water. She's in over her head. How is she going to get through this without using her magic? I mean, you know, she has to use her magic, uh, but you think the the bigger issue is, is she going to get caught? Not realizing that you think that the uppity up boss is hungry and he is, but what they do, don't really clue us into yet. I mean, you, you know when he starts choking that something is wrong. But now upon the rewatch that we know what happened, these people are being controlled. So he hasn't eaten yet. Like, Wanda, you have to feed him. It's it's not just the dinner party. It's because this is all going on, you actually have to take care of these people. Right. And the whole stop it, stop it, stop it. It's so much better the second time around because now you know why the character of Mrs. Hart is saying stop it over and over again. It was so confusing the first time. I mean, enough to clue you in that what you're seeing is not what you're going to get. But yeah, now that you know that it makes sense, it's it's actually amazing how early that they dropped it. Yeah. And I love the subtle drops, too, like with the television commercials, like the Stark Toaster commercial. Um, And these kind of weave in and out of every episode. Um, Admittedly, I'm not up on the MCU enough to understand a lot of the inside joke. I mean, the Hydra ones, of course, you understand. Some of the other ones I don't get. But to that point, it's also well done that I don't feel like I'm missing out on the joke. Agreed, because the first watch, I didn't really know what they meant in the bigger context of Marvel. Like, yes, the Hydra one I recognize, Stark, obviously, I recognize. But by the time you get to episode, I think it's episode eight, where Agatha walks Wanda through her childhood and her relationship with Vision, all of those commercials were pointing at traumatic points in her life so you really don't need to know the bigger picture of marvel to appreciate them you know that they're going to play a role and then when you piece them together those are all of wanda's triggers supposedly though they were supposed to be dr strange communicating with wanda in these commercials yeah and that's where to the point we made earlier you shouldn't tell us that i would have been just as happy not knowing uh, before we move on to another episode, I just want to give an honorable mention to Paul Bettany singing Yakety Yak. It was so funny. Fantastic. All right. So we're moving on to the second episode here. Don't touch that dial. Wanda and Vision are rehearsing their magic act for the neighborhood talent show fundraiser in order to fit in because all they want to do is fit in. 
Wanda discovers a helicopter in their bushes, but Agnes arrives so she and Wanda can attend a meeting of the Neighborhood Planning Committee. Vision, meanwhile, chews gum at a community watch meeting but accidentally swallows it and gets his gears jammed. Wanda, meanwhile, hears someone calling to her through the radio. Vision arrives at the talent show worse for wear because of the chewing gum incident, but they pull off their magic act regardless as Wanda hides Vision's malfunctions. Wanda fears they ruin the show, but the citizens of Westview love it and award them for their efforts. Back at their house, Wanda is immediately pregnant, like immediately pregnant and a mysterious beekeeper climbs from the sewer and in a very interesting twist Wanda not wanting to see the beekeeper rewinds the tape to give her the ending that she wants and the set changes in front of them wholesale changes the double beds that this episode starts with classic for that old television it really what i love lucy was actually the first television series to show a husband and wife in bed together right but even after that most of them were in double beds yeah they continued to do it after i love lucy stopped airing it wasn't something that just changed forever right and of course you kind of get the bridging of the worlds because the twin beds eventually do slide together when vision is terrified during that storm yes so i thought it was a nod to classic television and also a nod to how we're gonna move on in the timeline that is classic television i'm glad you bring that up because the the trailer for wandavision made such a splash I remember everybody was obsessing over it because they did show how we were going to move through these eras of television. And you kind of forgot that after watching the first episode, especially at the end when they break the fourth wall and they they pull out and you realize that you are watching a television. Um, And then, you know, it just spawned where are they going to take this? What's happening here? Um, You forgot that in that first episode, you didn't move through the eras. I was not expecting them to do a decade for each episode and cover a decade. I honestly thought this was going to be like, just based on the trailer, I thought it was maybe them, you know, playing dress up or whatever it was. Uh, So really going in a different direction than I think anyone was expecting here. And they nail the set changes too. I love that they kept the structure of Wanda and Vision's house. And then, as you said, after the beds come together, you know, then they go see what's happening outside and now their whole set is different. Yeah. And I love the animated opening because the openings do change each episode. Right. Bewitched. It's straight bewitched with the animation. They absolutely knock it out of the park. It's totally perfect. Yeah, that that song is one of my favorites to come. It was very simple. There's not a lot of lyrics, but that, that jingle, it's perfect. Um, and what I really liked to, what I liked more so the second time is that the conversations that you start to see, what you think are quote unquote regular conversations between Wanda and the other people in Westview is in fact, people seeing through her and trying to call it to her attention. Right. Um, 
and I love that they plant the devils in the details. And that was something that came back around tenfold. Yeah. Um, speaking of details, um, the uh, again, the set is incredible. But when they do their magic trick and um, Vision makes Wanda disappear, yes. that cabinet, it has the Mind Stone on it. It's there's a like a stencil on the front of it. And it looks just like the Mind Stone. And I, I was just like, that is so incredible that right down to just things like that, that look like a design, there's there's a symbol behind it. Um, and to your point with people calling out Wanda, um, Dottie was such a great yes. red herring. To bring her in this early on, you think that she's got something to do with whatever it is that we don't know yet at this point, uh, and the radio at the end. I was not expecting that at all. No, I didn't see that coming whatsoever. I love that when, you know, the helicopter is in color, the rest is in black and white. We can't figure out why. Having, you know, not knowing that that's something that was sent by sword, so it's it's coming from the quote-unquote real world and entering the television world, because at this point... Wanda has not gotten out of black and white yet. So right. I just remember, and, and it was kind of fun revisiting it now and kind of reminiscing on what is, what is going on, what is happening, and the confusion and how fun it was to speculate on what was happening. I think at this point, I was thinking that they were all trapped, that Wanda was in on it. And I thought because of her power they had possibly locked her in this bubble to contain her. Yeah. And then maybe somebody from the Avengers was trying to help her and call out through the radio or send her signals. Um, I definitely was not expecting her to be in control. And I'm surprised how early on we do learn that because by the next episode, that does sort of get revealed with Geraldine. So moving on to episode three, now in color. Wanda is, quote-unquote, four months pregnant and is due in three days. <laughs> As she has contractions, the power goes in and out throughout the entire neighborhood. Vision also senses that something is wrong in Westview. However, the scene replays to Wanda's liking, because, again, we are rewinding tapes. Geraldine arrives, and Wanda tries to hide her pregnancy, but she goes into labor, and the house breaks into a state of chaos. Geraldine helps Wanda as she gives birth to Tommy while Vision and arrive for the birth of his twin brother, Billy. Wanda tells Geraldine about Pietro, and Geraldine asks if he was killed by Ultron. So Wanda seemingly makes her vanish when in fact she ejects her from Westview, where she is then surrounded by the authorities. So this is 1960s-centric. A lot of people... I think felt that it was Brady Bunch. I got personally, I got more Partridge Family than I got Brady Bunch. I got both. I think um, the opening theme definitely sounds Partridge Family. I think Wanda's aesthetic, her hair, her clothes are more Partridge Family. Uh, but the house, those stairs, that is straight Brady Bunch. Oh, the costumes and the sets are incredible. They are truly incredible. Um, and this is where the show really starts to take off. For because sure. Because 
you obviously now are starting to peel back the layers more and more and to see that what we thought we were getting truly is not what we have at all. Right. I really thought where they were going with this was because the pregnancy was so sped up that Wanda was going to be discovered and maybe the rest of the show was going to be her trying to dodge these people and getting caught because you knew from the jump that Geraldine was sort of certainly not a villain, but maybe an antagonist because she's on to Wanda. You don't really trust yet that she does want to help her. Um, so I thought that it was going to be like a pardon the pun witch hunt from here on out. Right. Um, what I didn't appreciate with the sped up pregnancy though, because I thought that was supposed to be Wanda's tell. That is sort of a nod to classic television too, because when, when they introduced the pregnancy storyline, nine times out of 10 in these shows, uh, they would wait as long as they possibly could, especially if they wrote in an actress's real life pregnancy into a role. Uh, they would hide it for as long as they possibly could, having her stand behind tables or strategically placed fruit baskets and carrying things all the time in front of the bump and what have you. Um, but this was sort of a spoof on how fast these pregnancies seemingly went because usually they would announce it at the end of one season and then you come back for the next one and boom, there's a baby. So even though it was sort of a ridiculous timeline, uh, I didn't appreciate it the first time how much that was punched up for comedy. Yeah. Um, the chemistry amongst the entire cast really starts to take off here. I think the sense of mystery around everything that was going on is unparalleled in the history of television. I think that they did such a great job of just keeping you on the edge of your seat, keeping you guessing, but distracting you with this parody of these iconic television shows that the whole thing comes together. It's this is where, at least I'll say this, inside the television world, this is where the masterpiece that is WandaVision really starts coming together. Agreed. Upon first viewing, I really thought that finding out that Wanda used these television shows as an escape as a child, and that was her means of you know blocking out all of her trauma that that was sort of cop-out writing and that they backed themselves into a corner and you really wanted to just do this show stylistically and pay homage to all of these different television eras and then you had to tie that back to Wanda. It seemed like they sort of wrote themselves into a corner. And I felt that way even though I loved seeing Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany in all of these different sort of roles upon the second viewing though I realized telling this story telling Wanda's story it's as good as it is because they use these television shows to distract us as the audience from what's really going on I don't think you know even if if Wanda had created this bubble for herself and it all took place in present day I don't think it's as powerful without this element of her broadcasting her life through these different television shows. And they do such a good job with the dialogue specifically here when 
the doctor comes back because the doctor was leaving to go on vacation and you know uh vision had to go get him and bring him back because now wanda's in labor and the doctor says well you know it's just so hard to escape these days the little subtle dialogue that is them trying to emote their panic their fear to wanda and vision but you on pond first viewing just think that they're just shooting the breeze with them it's it, it that's why i think it's so worth going and doing a rewatch of this you know whether you've seen multiverse of madness or not this is where you start picking up on things the second and third time around but you are completely distracted because they are trying to do this satirical period piece that's a great point because I didn't catch that line about escaping the first time around. And part of that is also, too, it's not just because of all these flashy shows. It's because of Agatha, because she's there to help Wanda envision as soon as the babies come. And you think, again, it's the trope of the neighbor. I'm just here to help, even though we don't know if she has children or experience as a mother. Like you just sort of go with it and you sort of trust her. But what we don't know yet is that she is acting of her own free will because she wants to be in this bubble and find out how Wanda is harnessing her powers. Um, So you really don't think anything of these, the rest of the neighborhood because they are such flat characters. Like even the neighbor that is always watering, their next door neighbor who's always watering the garden and Agatha's interacting with him. But because they're also one-dimensional, you know something's going on with them. But again, I'm thinking Wanda is trapped at this point. And because you do have just Agatha's existence and because she can think and do things on her own, you are distracted from those other lines peppered in with the rest of the, the neighborhood being trapped. Right. Are we ready to move on to episode four? Yes, we interrupt this program. Monica Rambo has been snapped back into place and learns that her mother has died. She goes back to her job at S.W.O.R.D. and is sent to Westview on assignment. She meets Special Agent Wu, who informs her that Westview does not exist. That's right. It does not actually exist. It's under a different name, and that the town does not want him to enter. When her drone disappears... Rambo finds an energy field around the town and gets sucked in. Darcy Lewis arrives, and through the radiation that she finds around the town, she picks up a television signal and starts identifying the citizens of Eastview, which is actually the name of the town. Wu tries to communicate with Wanda through the radio, but fails. So now, this... Episode So episode four is happening simultaneously with episode three. We're just seeing what's on the other side of the panel now. That's why even, again, the attention to detail right down to these episode titles, we interrupt this program. We're not, it's telling you we're not going to focus on Wanda this episode. We're focusing on everybody else. I love that we get all of these familiar faces back. Darcy, Wu, people that you just assumed were secondary characters in their own films, whether it be Thor or Ant-Man, and you think that, okay, that's it, we're done. I love that they brought them in. I love the familiarity. I like that we get Monica Rambeau, and that we now get to see her as an adult. Um, 
yeah, bringing all of them in, it's so smart. They they did it so brilliantly how they were able to write them in without any of them feeling like they're out of place or just jammed in for the sake of. Completely agree. And even bringing them back with the attention to detail. As soon as we see Wu, he flips his little business card out. And where did we learn that? From Scott Lang. He yeah. finally nailed the card trick. Um, I thought that was just such a great reintroduction to the character. And same with Monica. Um, I like that we get to see more people that were affected by the blip because they address it a little bit in Spider-Man with how these kids are returning to school after a five-year time jump. Um, But it's interesting to see a main character and how they were affected by everything because, you know, we are so focused on the Avengers getting half the population back and you want to see your heroes that were snapped away come back. But it was just interesting to see a lesser known character be affected by it. And I love the reveal that Wanda truly did create all of this. How brilliant is it that Darcy finds a television signal, needs an old television that can pick up analog. Love it. The whole thing is just, it's one of the all time great reveals in the history of the MCU. I had no idea that was coming. I mean, I know we see Monica Rambeau get, pushed out but I still was not expecting this force field no it's it's great the cheap Amazon antenna that they use as a prop isn't that great but the rest of what they do here is spectacular I love the edits I love the sensors um but of all of the episodes of the show that we watched and of course we watched the whole series This is probably my least favorite episode. Um, And I think part of it is because as great as the reveal is, as happy as I was to see these characters return, I love WandaVision for the television world that gets created. I mean, yeah, you have to see the man behind the curtain. Otherwise, what's the point? But it became very clear to me that as soon as we left the curtain, because now it starts to happen. Now it's almost a 50-50 split from this point to the end of the series, um, you spend a lot more time behind the curtain. And what I love about Wanda is being in the other world. And I think this is where for me, and honestly more, more the second time around than the first time around, I still really enjoy the show, but it, it left me longing to be back in the television world. That Wanda created. I completely agree. Or maybe not even so much like, hey, put me back in the bubble. I just wanted more Wanda and Vision in this episode. Um, I agree with you. Story-wise, we had to learn all of this. Um, And as much as I love seeing all these familiar faces, I completely agree. I just wanted more of our two main characters. So I think... Not that the episode needed to be much longer, but I think a little bit more cutting back and forth uh, would have kept things moving up until the end of this episode where it really ramps up. Because once Darcy does figure this out, I love that they are casting the missing persons that they've been looking for. And they're, they're starting to name them and actually putting up headshots 
like they're they're doing an audition or something. I thought that was great. But yeah, it's like the last five minutes of this episode that are really f- more fast paced and hold your interest more because you lose the two main characters. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to move on to the 1980s now? On a very special episode. Vision and Wanda are struggling with raising the baby. So Agnes comes by to help, but requires a retake because Wanda didn't like how it went the first time. So Vision gets suspicious. Just then, the boys age by about five years. Outside of the television world, Monica Rambo talks about what life was like in Westview. We also see footage of Wanda stealing Vision's corpse and resurrecting him. In the TV world, the boys find a puppy and name him Sparky. When Wanda and Vision tell the boys they need to wait until they are 10 years old to have a dog, they immediately age to the ripe old age of 10. When Vision <laughs> gets an email for uh, from Darcy, he gets into Norm's head, one of his co-workers, and then Norm begs him to help make Wanda stop. When Sword tries to send a drone in, Wanda tells them to stay away. Back in the television world, Sparky has died after eating poisonous plants in Agnes's yard. Vision also asks Wanda to stop this, but Wanda denies being in control. Just then, a doorbell rings and a recast Pietro arrives. So much going on in this one. Yeah, the the retake was great. When, when life was not suiting Wanda at the beginning of the episode and she and and Agnes goes do do you want me to do that again and she makes them retake I love that you that you see that Wanda truly is in control but what the other thing that I love is that it gives vision reason for being suspicious because up to this point he's kind of had a lot of questions but he's not out and out asked any of them I thought it was a perfect plot device in moving the story forward in getting him to start questioning everything that he knew. And it does really put the spotlight on Agatha because why does she know? Why can she ask if Wanda wants another take? And there was still even one point when that happened where I thought maybe Agatha was in control. Um, I, I think they still wanted to keep you guessing at this point, even though S.W.O.R.D. is onto her. I still wasn't 100% sure that this was all Wanda's doing. I thought maybe Agatha did have a little bit more involvement. Um, And now that we're sort of talking through this, for as much as we're saying we missed Wanda in Vision in episode four and there was too much focus on outside the bubble, I think you needed that to really have this episode land because so much is unfolding now. Unpopular opinion. Because... Agatha all along, it was a great song and it was a great sequence. This open yeah, is the best open, the best title sequence in the entire series. Fight me on it. We're making it up as we go along. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to fight you there. I mean, Agatha all along will forever slap, but here... They actually tell us in the lyrics that it is all in Wanda's head. And, and here I'm saying, well, I still thought it was Agatha um, and that she might have some involvement. No, they told us everything that we needed to know in these lyrics, but they are buried behind this flashy full house style 
open and we're all really distracted because as children of the 80s you're like, oh my god she got to do what her sisters did you know like you're so focused on uh Ashley and Mary Kate and now Elizabeth reliving this there's so much nostalgia associated with it the Anderson Lopez's are telling us exactly what we need to know and just flies over your head it it dev, it's it leans into early full house to me I'm getting more growing pains and who's the boss than anything else true but but to the point you're making and to the point we've made the whole time the brilliance of it is that you can pull three or four different television shows and you can see the influence of all of them. The only thing that I wish they would have had was like a pet alien. Like if they would have pulled from <laughs> Alf, that would have just made me so happy. Yeah, or even there's that random tiger on the table. That would have been a good place to put a little nod into Alf. Um, but, you know, you go from this really light and airy opening and everything you want out of an 80s sitcom and then we take a really dark turn because going for vision's body it gets pretty deep it gets really deep and when vision is able to release people from their from the control of wanda and to see the amount of pain that they're in and their suffering and their fear and their struggle the whole thing was so it it was it was a splash of cold water the first time that we saw it and upon watching it again it hits it hits just as hard the first time as it does the second time the third time the fourth time especially now because Darcy has dubbed it the hex that they're living in I love how that starts to catch on uh, I just I love Darcy we haven't talked about her enough yet but I think this is it's because in this episode this is where she really starts to shine and take on a bigger role um, Kat Dennings just I don't think this character is other than the science is too much of a far stretch from who she really is because she is just that quick-witted semi-sarcastic uh stop treating me like your kid sister and and actually pay attention to what i'm saying yeah uh i think she just nails it i i love her yeah she's spectacular it's the right amount of snark um and she definitely adds a layer to the show that was completely necessary i also like the fact that um i don't like that sparky dies but i like that they tackle the death episode. Right. Because every single one of these shows, whether it was Papuli. I was just going to say it, it. Or, you know, <laughs> like it, there was always the show that tackled this issue. They knocked it out of the park. No. And I think the 80s. I mean, yes, you're right. That was a storyline that almost every 80s show hit. But. I think that that was also the perfect decade to really start exposing all of these cracks, whether it be sword or even vision starting to catch on to what's going on, because it is balanced out with that. The heaviness and the lightheartedness uh, are balanced perfectly throughout the entire episode. This, this one is probably the biggest roller coaster episode that there is because you go from, these really fun moments to these to, to these really dark places. Um, what I didn't catch the first time around, um, 
Geraldine calls Wanda out. Once she gets back into the hex and she really tries to go after her, she calls her out for letting her in the first time, which Wanda really had to do because she needed help uh, delivering these babies. And even if there's a doctor in town, being that she's in control, she doesn't know how to control them. She doesn't know how to deliver a baby. So she needs someone that can do it. I didn't realize that Wanda is so in control that she knowingly let her in and was allowing her to be there until the point where she forced her out because she said too much. Yeah. um, The fact that Wanda is in complete control, but it's also vulnerable at the same time. and, And to your point, needs certain people at certain times to pull off this charade. Um, you know, again, the the screenwriting is just so well done. Yeah, especially because they could have just played the whole thing off where Wanda wanted babies, so poof, she had them. Or, or poof, there's five-year-olds now. She yeah. could have done anything that she wanted, but because you have to get Monica in there, it was so much more effective having her exist in this world and playing along with what's going on than just breaking through the force field once they've already figured it out. She's been hiding in plain sight and they didn't have to do it, but it's so brilliant that they did. The other thing that I love about this episode and the one thing that will always land with this episode and the the most brilliant thing that I think they did in this episode other than the open is the recast. That blew my freaking mind. I love Evan Peters and there were so many rumors that he would be coming into the show. But the way that they did it, the brilliant reveal that there's just a knock at the door and you open it up and there he is. The way that Marvel is starting to address the other films and trying to make them canon and pull people in. The whole thing, just brilliant. It's the first time we really get exposed to the multiverse. Right. Um and I love that they address this because this would happen in shows where a season would end and another season would start and Billy's back, but that's not really Billy. You know, they, they would recast characters all of the time. Or characters would just disappear looking at you, Mr. Turner. Yeah. So I love that they tackled it here and that we got our first look into the multiverse. It was spectacular. I think you're right. I'm kind of spinning my wheels trying to think no I think you're right that this was the first nod to the multiverse because at this point there were so many discussions about Spider-Man and having Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield come back I think that's why it didn't land as hard because everybody was already talking about that's where this was building was to the multiverse but yeah I think think you're right that this was the first time we actually got clued in we had seen the spider-verse before but that was not technically a part of this mcu the way that we know it we didn't know if it was canon right so i i consider this to be the first as much as i love into the spider-verse I do consider this to be the first jump into the multiverse in the MCU. Oh, well, no. Doctor Str- the first Doctor Strange. The Sorcerer Supreme spells it out. But this is where we first start to see the worlds colliding. Correct. Um, and we get 
further explanation of all of this in episode number six. The Halloween Spooktacular. It's Halloween and Uncle Pietro has moved in. Vision has started to fight back against Wanda's control. Outside of the TV world, Sword has grown tired of Wanda and Monica's hesitation towards fighting her, so she, Wu, and Darcy fight back against S.W.O.R.D. Meanwhile, Wanda learns that Vision is not on duty with the Neighborhood Watch, as he previously stated. Vision explores Westview and is told by Agnes that he is dead. Just like that. Pietro, meanwhile, tells Wanda how impressed he is with Westview, and Wanda explains that she has no idea how she did this. Vision breaks through the force field to tell S.W.O.R.D. that Westview needs help, and he begins to break apart. Billy starts to see Vision in his head, so Wanda expands the force field to save Vision, dragging in Darcy and most of S.W.O.R.D.'s soldiers. Um, This is probably my all-around favorite episode of WandaVision, because who doesn't love a good Halloween spooktacular, and who doesn't love a Malcolm in the Middle type show. Oh man, this opening credits too. I mean, I I agree with you. The eighties was probably the best, but they, they nailed this one too. And again, it's another flashy opening where we are distracted from the lyrics spelling out what's happening. Yeah. Because all I'm thinking is you're not the boss of me. now, Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. It, uh, this, this whole episode just lands especially to and i mean for not being a comic book fan i still appreciate the halloween costumes where they threw back to wanda and visions cheap comic book costumes Mm -hmm. i love that i love that they call out the recast yes and that i mean pietro calls out his own recast more or less uncle p uncle p oh it's so good um, yeah, I do love that conversation where he is trying to level with Wanda um, because it's effective in the moment and you do think he's trying to be a good brother and give her advice. But then once it's revealed that Agatha's got him as a puppet on a string and she's trying to find out what happens and how Wanda's doing this again, you you completely miss it the first time. Yeah, you totally do. I also love how Vision starts piecing all of this together, and now he's getting people to go in and out of quote-unquote character. Yes. The whole, I mean, you you needed him to figure it out on his own, but I love that he takes this idea of the neighborhood watch, and he, he plays up on it so well that he's out there making sure that the trick-or-treaters aren't disturbing the neighborhood while, in fact, he's doing his own detective work. And then they really throw you again when he's interacting with Agatha and she's got this blank stare on her face like she is one of the rest of them. Because the farther you go to the outskirts of town, the less Wanda is doing to... I mean, she's still in control. It's not not the less that she's doing to control you, but you're, you're too far because you're not in her immediate sight lines. There's not a lot that she can do with you. So you think that that just happened to Agatha because she's driving around and in her witch costume again. Yeah. In plain sight, they are totally toying with the audience and you just think that she's gone too far and she might not be able to get back to Wanda's immediate reach. So you're certainly not going to expect at this point that she has anything to do with Pietro now that she's starting along and she's throwing everyone off. Um, 
it's really difficult watching Vision come apart because it's almost like we have to watch him die all over again. Uh, But it is so effective in raising the stakes because not only does Wanda make the hex bigger to save him, but she's also pulling in the people who do know what's going on when she gets almost half of the sword agents now in the bubble. Yeah. And I love that when she pulls in the sword agents, it's people that are just following a leader blindly out of these tents and vehicles so she turns it into a circus. Right. It's spectacular. Brilliant. It is. All right. You have anything else on episode six, the Halloween episode, or are we moving on here? We are moving on to breaking the fourth wall. Wanda begins to lose control inside Westview. Vision discovers Darcy at the circus and tries to get her to help him. Agnes, meanwhile, has the boys back at her house to give Wanda a break. Monica sets off in a sword space rover to attempt to breach the force field and save Darcy, but she walks through after the vehicle can't penetrate it because she's already been through the force field a couple of times, so she can kind of come and go now as she pleases although she does struggle with it. She gets to Wanda and tells her that uh, Hayward plans on destroying Westview, this is the leader of S.W.O.R.D., and painting Wanda the villain, but Agnes takes her away. In Agnes's home, Wanda finds a dungeon, and Agnes reveals herself as Agatha Harkness. Total spoof on Modern Family, The Office, you know, all of these, you know, breaking the fourth wall fake reality shows. Um, and I think that as good as Elizabeth Olsen was in the I Love Lucy Bewitched era, she's, I, I'd say she's almost better here. She totally nails the whole modern family thing. I agree. Uh, I love, I think she did such a great job capturing capturing these actresses before she was even born and just really understanding that style of television but that's exactly what I was going to say she reminds me so much of Julie Bowen in Modern Family and she's supposed to but um it's just so well done I love the office style opening the only thing that I don't love as far as the character goes in this style of television is that Wanda has gone through such great lengths at this point to have a normal life and a normal family, quote-unquote, by creating this bubble for her and Vision and the boys to live in. So this episode where she needs some me time, I feel like is a little off-brand. I understand why they did it, because Agatha did have to get Tommy and Billy in her clutches, but... I feel like there were different ways that they could have gone about it because why do you need a break from these kids that you, you just expanded the hex to save vision and keep up this facade that you've created. So why do you need a break? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a fair point. Let me ask you this though. And this was only something that I realized on the second watch. Now that we're getting more familiar with the character, do you think it was intentional for there to be this push and pull with Wanda of, I need to protect my family in this bubble, but now I need some me time to show how unstable she is. No, because she's been basically unstable the entire time, not realizing how she was able to do any of this. 
Um, I, if I'm being honest with you, um, it and it's a brilliant take, and they do such a good job with it. I felt like this was just an excuse to do The Office and to do Modern Family. They knocked it out of the park. The way they did it was spot on. It's not a critique of how they did it, but I think that they felt that they had to hit on that era of television because it's become such a thing um, that they kind of just forced it. I completely agree with you, but I don't know that I buy a show with this much attention to detail that misdirects you when it wants to misdirect you and is throwing all of these red herrings in there would have that much of a miss where I'm sitting here saying the character, the main character that they have fleshed out so well that Elizabeth Olsen has taken so much pride in helping to develop has an off-brand moment. It may be how they were trying to play it off, but to me, this episode, as and again, it's it's not a critique of her or how they pulled it off. For what they were doing, it works. It was, to me, an excuse to do The Office because we have to do The Office. That's what I think it was, personally. But I think what's more distracting than anything else, more than it being off-brand, is how good and yet how poor the screenwriting is at the same time. I think that the fact that they take the loss of her control and make it funny is genius. I think the fact that Vision walks out on his interview, he goes, why am I even sitting here doing this? That's hysterical because he is in control at this point. But then Monica Rambeau, for whatever reason, when she speaks in this episode specifically, her dialogue is all 101. Darcy's in there wooing. We're not leaving her behind. You know, like, she is such a great, complex character and has stolen so many scenes in the entire series that for some reason it's just this one episode that her dialogue just seems so cliched and watered down. And I'm not really quite sure why that is. That's, to me, more distracting than anything else. Right, because that's not a trope of the shows that they're modeling this episode after that was a trope of like the fifties and sixties shows where the neighbors are just one dimensional, but certainly not in a show like modern family in the office when you do have a huge ensemble cast and everybody is fully developed. Yeah. There there's like really no excuse for that. I do love the scene though, where Monica is trying to level with Wanda. This is like her final plea of, let me help you. We're not actually trying to harm you. And then Hayward go, who we haven't really talked about yet. Hayward goes and screws the whole thing up. Yeah. Sending drones and rockets. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about him much because up until this point, he hasn't really played much of a role other than being the talking head for sword. No. And they do sort of play him off as Darcy's antagonist because he's being sort of misogynistic and shutting her down. And up until this point, I kind of thought that that was his entire purpose was to be a foil to Darcy. But turns out, obviously, that there's a much bigger plan in the works here. Um, this episode 
does get a little dark too. I mean, from, from here on out, it's pretty dark. Uh, but to see Vision learn what he is is almost worse than watching him die. Yeah, it's tough because it's a character that you truly have fallen in love with over the course of his entire run in the MCU. And, and having him back now, um, it's it's a tough watch. It's a tough watch for sure. Well, I think that's it too, is because in real life, for lack of a better word, uh, Vision always did know what he was. He knew that he was an android. In the beginning of his and Wanda's relationship, that is something that they kind of have to get past. But here, once he learns that Wanda has projected him into this world, it's a tough pill to swallow. For sure. But what the episode is most known for is its conclusion. When we find out, it was Agatha all along. And she killed Sparky too. It's so good. This whole like twist on the monsters, it is, I mean, it it deserves its accolades. It is for sure the most popular number in the entire show, and it is one of the best. Um, I will never forget the feeling of finding all of this out and ending on, and I killed Sparky too. <laughs> yeah, it. For as much discussion as there was at this point and for as many online theories that said Agatha was going to be Agatha Harkness, it still lands. There there was no spoiling it. It didn't matter because of the way that they presented it with this song. And this is, again, a, a credit to the production team. Every single person who worked on this show just understood the assignment. They understood television. They're clearly television fans because, again, they just nailed an era to the T with this song. Right. Now, does the success carry over into the last two episodes of the series? Previously on. Agatha is accused of betraying her coven in a flashback by her own mother. Her mother is, is accusing her. Um, they attack her using their magic, but she uses their energy as she draws it in and kills them while becoming more powerful. These are the rest, the rest of the witches in her coven. Agatha tells Wanda that she brought fake Pietro around and that her magic won't work in their home. She also tells Wanda that she has captured her children. She brings Wanda back to her childhood where she sees, you know, this is Wanda now in her childhood because uh, they do flash back quite a bit here. She brings Wanda back and Wanda in her own childhood is seeing her life as she watches old sitcoms with Pietro and her parents to learn English. While watching Dick Van Dyke, a missile hits their home and kills their parents. We see Wanda in Hydra as her powers get stronger after coming in contact with an Infinity Stone. We also see that Wanda wanted to bury Vision, not reincarnate him, but Hayward was dismantling him because he was worth $3 billion in Vibranium. A grieving Wanda goes to Westview and finds the plot of land that she and Vision had purchased. From her grief, she builds a home, changes Westview, and reincarnates Vision. Agatha tells her chaos magic has been brought on, and that makes her the Scarlet Witch. Again, episode title perfectly setting us up for what we're going to see. Um, 
I definitely wasn't expecting to start with that flashback to Salem, but there's so much to unpack in that scene. I think that kind of confirmed that we were getting a spinoff at that point. For sure. And I love the flashback. Um, Agatha is so evil and yet so good at the same time. And this is where you kind of wonder, is Agatha truly the villain here? Yes. Because we know that she is going to be an antagonist for Wanda and she wants to take Wanda's power, but we don't know whether it's because she wants to be in control as the Scarlet Witch or whether she wants to just control the powers to keep everything in line. Much like the Sorcerer Supreme. Yes. Because she told that line the entire time. Is she a villain or is she just trying to keep everything status quo? Regardless, Catherine Hahn in this scene, oh my God, she's incredible. Yeah, she is. The entire episode is so well done because it's a very tough watch. Um, I love that they throw back to the classic television as being a means of them learning English so that they could fit in. And that, because that was such a bonding moment for the family, became such a... uh, it it became almost medicinal for Wanda after the fact, and she latched on to those good memories, and she associated the television with that, and that's why we're getting the Wanda vision that we're getting here. Again, that was something on first watch that I really thought was a corner that they had backed themselves into, but upon the second time around, it's such an important part of her character. Um, I agree. To... To show it was how they learned English, that that all works. That's totally plausible. I buy it. Um, but it is sort of like a trauma bond with her now and why she's so attached to these shows. So what I thought was weak the first time around was definitely made better upon second viewing. It gave me a deeper understanding. And like I said before, to to have that trigger telling the story through all these decades of television, it it's what keeps us guessing. It's what made this so confusing and so distracting. Um, what was really surprising in this episode is this is the first time we do hear the word witch when Agatha says uh, this is magic on auto- autopilot and, you know, that's something that not even she would be capable of. And we, as much as we know Wanda is the most powerful being. We've seen it because she took on Thanos by herself and almost won. To hear Agatha spell it out, this is where everything sort of takes a turning point where you know Wanda is not going to come out of this as an innocent, where we understand that being the most powerful is not necessarily a good thing. And yes, to your point, this is where we do start to question Agatha as does she want it for herself or is she just trying to stop it because she knows what's going to happen? Because she is familiar with the Darkhold and Wanda has no idea what she can take from it yet. Right. I love the studio audience that they they kind of quote unquote break the fourth wall here and Agatha's sitting in the audience and you see like a true television studio. I I just feel like 
the reveals in this episode, one after another after another, are super strong. And for for somebody that really who likes the show outside of the television world, but loves the show for what it is inside the television world. I think that outside of the television world, this may be the strongest episode of the series. Yeah, which was kind of a surprise for me because at first when we were watching it, I was like, do we really need to see all of these flashbacks to Wanda's childhood, to her early relationship with Vision? Um because we had heard all of these stories in age of Ultron, they mention that uh, Wanda and Pietro's parents are killed by the bomb and that they were sitting there with the bomb, but it never went off. Now we see it and you do start to buy into the notion that Wanda may have had something to do with it, not exploding that she could have saved them. And that also gives us a deeper understanding of her trauma because she couldn't save her parents when she was capable of of keeping this bomb at bay. And it also lays the groundwork for Wanda never really being in control of her power because she didn't know what she could do. She knew that she was scared. She knew she didn't want the bomb to explode, but she didn't know how she was stopping it from exploding. Likewise, once she gets to Hydra, she doesn't know what the uh, the scepter is. Right. But she approaches it, and then we get the Mind Stone. She had her power before and drew more from the the Mind Stone. It wasn't that that wasn't where she got her power from. And what I never realized too, in seeing this all play out, is that that's why she's so connected to Vision. Because that is his stone, and she also drew power from it. Right. So I think all of these flashbacks were really powerful. Um, I definitely got more out of them the second time around. Um, but what I loved from the jump was the scene that we get where she's with Vision. I think the big takeaway here is some of the best writing in television when vision says to her what is grief if not love persevering the quote that spawned a million tattoos uh i think beautifully written beautifully delivered uh but i think we were so distracted by that moment we miss that wanda does actually understand her grief she says that it feels like waves are washing over me and i'm just going to let go and, and let the waves wash over. And she does recognize the fact that she has been through so much trauma. Every time she feels like something good happens to her, it's taken away, but she still doesn't translate that over into what she might be capable of and what it's doing to her power. Right. So, I think my big question going into the finale here, um, as I stated before, I think this outside of the realm of the television world is probably the best episode. That's my opinion. Um, you, you're talking about how heavy it is and the subject matter and how thought-provoking it is. So the question is, was it, 
too heavy? Was it too good? Was it too strong as a lead-in to the finale that we are about to discuss? Absolutely not, because I don't think that we fully grasped what Wanda has lost until this point. Because, like I said, we heard the story about her parents. Now we saw it. Uh, we know that when the Avengers find her in Age of Ultron, she's manipulating their minds because she's just sort of going along with whatever's going to, you know, her and Pietro are really their survivalists. They're right. just going along with whatever's going to not necessarily keep them safe, but whatever's not going to get them killed. Uh, and they're kids. We forget how young they were when all of this started. So they really don't fully grasp what they've gotten themselves involved with. Um, so I think it was different hearing all of these stories of what they've been through and now actually getting to see them because up until this point, I don't think you fully realize Wanda's loss except for vision uh, when she when she's forced to kill him. Right. Because we've seen all of the other Avengers lose something. Uh, you know, we've seen the Caps struggle with Bucky. We've seen Tony almost lose Pepper how many times? We've seen Thor lose everything. His parents, Loki, Asgard. Um, but for Wanda, because she was introduced later on and because she wasn't introduced as an Avenger she was introduced almost as an enemy we didn't get the full scope so I think not only was this episode necessary the whole series was to fully understand her for sure okay moving on now before we do that I have one more question uh again because this episode does get so dark we know that she went back for Vision's body but here, she sees it, we see it in pieces. It's a tough visual for us. My question to you is, was it always planned? Do you believe that she wanted to actually bury him? Or do you think that Hayward sort of pushing her buttons triggered her to build Westview? I think that that's exactly what happened. I think that I don't think Hayward wanted her to build Westview. I think that he pushed her to do it. Her grief pushed her to do it. She lost control of her grief. But I legitimately believe that she went there to bury him. I don't think she went there to resurrect him. I think she just wanted to give him a proper send-off like Tony Stark had, like anybody else has had that we've lost in the MCU. I think her intentions were pure. And her fury and her grief and her anger and her sadness and her disbelief is what caused all of this. I agree. And this is something that I wasn't really expecting to compare it to. But upon this viewing, I realized how much this is like Wicked. Not in the sense of, oh, they're both witches. But there is a point in Wicked where the Wicked Witch decides there's no going back now. I have tried everything that I possibly can. And the more she tries to save a situation, the worse it becomes for her. And she decides that she's not going to do anything good or try anymore. And I think that this is Wanda's 
point where she did start out with the best of intentions and she's just pushed to the brink. So now moving on to episode nine, the series finale. Okay, Agatha begins to take power from Wanda. She tells Wanda she can keep Westview if she gives up her powers, but Wanda throws a car at her. (laughs) White Vision arrives and begins to battle Vision. Hayward exposes his plan to Wu, who then calls his colleagues at Quantico for backup. Wanda rejects the idea of being the Scarlet Witch, But Agatha shows her everything she has done to the people of Westview. We also see that Pietro is actually Ralph. Wanda promises to let Westview go and starts to break the force field down. As she does, Vision and her children begin to disappear, so she stops the breakdown. Hayward attempts to kill the kids, but Monica intervenes. Wanda fights Agatha while Vision reasons with White Vision and shows him that he is, in fact, the true Vision. Wanda takes Agatha back to her coven, but the dead witches turn on her and expose her as the Scarlet Witch. Agatha asks for her powers again, and again Wanda fights her while also giving her the powers, or so she thought. Wanda instead has blocked Agatha's powers by setting up her own runes and takes all of her powers and accepts her role as the Scarlet Witch. Agatha warns her that she has no idea what she has unleashed. Wanda curses Agatha to stay in Westview as the nosy neighbor. Wanda, Vision, and the boys head home where they are protected temporarily by the force field. After tucking the boys in, Wanda releases Westview of their curse. The force field around their home is lifted, and Wanda is left alone on her plot of land. She says goodbye to Monica and flies away. And that's the epic-ish conclusion of WandaVision. Here's the first thing I don't like about this episode. We got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch it. Well, that, but I also wish that they had gotten her out of sweatpants to battle Agatha. I, I understand that we weren't ready for the costume yet, meaning the Scarlet Witch's yeah, costume, yeah. because even though we have heard the word witch, even though Wanda is acknowledging that she's going to step into her power, we're not quite there yet, but anything but sweatpants and that terrible wig. You know, the... the 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 essence of the episode is so strong because the fact that Westview feels her pain, the fact that she's cho- she has to choose between saving her family or saving the people of Westview, really Eastview. Um, you know, the, the, the internal struggle is all there. I think the problem with this episode is I don't think it's as strong as it's lead-in. And the fact that we felt like we were missing something when this episode concluded. I think my criticism of it became harsher after we found out that Doctor Strange was supposed to make an appearance and didn't. Um, But the fact that I walk away from this the second time around, and, and forgetting that the multiverse of madness exists... Taking this on its own for what it is, the fact that upon a second viewing, even knowing what is going to happen, you still feel like something is missing here, that to me is what takes away from all of the good that the episode 
does. Right, because there are some really great moments, like when she does throw the car at Agatha and we see the shoes that are left there. It's a great nod to the Wizard of Oz. Um, They even really go for it when they pull the twins into this battle. Yeah. Up until this point, I don't recall on television ever seeing children being shot at other than walking dead. And they play it off because Tommy and Billy obviously have the powers to handle it. They are getting a feel for what they are capable of. Right. But you're still showing a bullet flying at a child. And I was really surprised that even though this is Marvel, this is a show that you could access on Disney+. Plus. Um, but at the same time, I applaud them for like actually going for it. Not that I want to see, obviously, a child being shot at. But I was surprised that they went that far with it. Um, at first I didn't love the battle between Agatha and Wanda sweatpants aside. Um, but I just thought, okay, here we are again. These two all, all powerful beings just slinging magic at each other. Like, where does it end? And the first time we watched it, it sort of dragged this time. It actually didn't. I think this time also, because I realized that there was so much more attention drawn to the ruins that I had missed the first time. Um, Once I realized that Wanda was throwing the magic past Agatha, she was casting a spell. Um, So that was something again, that I needed a second watch to just fully understand what was happening and that these, you know, two witches aren't just locked in battle. So that, that actually moved a little faster because it was more purposeful and there was a better understanding. Um, The vision battle is really tough to watch because you don't want vision as we know him in this series to be harmed in any way. But at the same time, there is the potential to get real vision back for Wanda. So you're sort of rooting for white vision. Um, and and same thing when Wanda has the struggle of do I save my family or do I save, you know, hundreds of lives now that she's trapped in this bubble. Um, I think it's really well done in terms of, you know, a good push and pull and and internal struggles with almost every single one of our characters. Yeah. And this to me is where you truly hit the crescendo with Agatha because it's crazy how Agatha tried to stop her. This is where I think you realize that Agatha truly is not the villain here. She's just trying to keep the Scarlet Witch at bay because she feels like she can control it more so than Wanda can. She doesn't even want to be the Scarlet Witch. She just doesn't want Wanda to be the Scarlet Witch, and that's why she wants her to give up the powers. Right. She's really doing it to protect people. At least, I mean, I I think that's what they're leaning into here. Um, And I thought that that was a really interesting twist as well. And it does such a good job of toying with us as the audience because, like, of course we want to root for Wanda because we've fallen in love with her throughout the course of this series i think she was always a questionable character with every appearance in the avengers but you really want her to win you want her to have her family and she realizes she can't we realize that she can't but it's like do we villainize her and i think that is what gets answered in doctor strange because here's the spoiler alert 
Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is not Doctor Strange's movie. It is Wanda's. She's got a stronger character arc. Doctor Strange is actually proving that he's like the biggest simp because this whole thing is about Christine in every single universe. And I feel like we don't get a big character for his movie, for what we think is going to be his last movie, because I don't know if he's... well. I don't think that he's done in the MCU, but I don't know if he's got a trilogy is the point that I'm making. But if this was his last standalone movie, he needed a stronger arc and he didn't get it. For as much as I love that film, I love more what Sam Raimi did for it than I love it as a Doctor Strange or a Marvel movie. But that's also because it is more Wanda's. Is she the main character? No, Is it her story? Absolutely. And again, they tell us that in the title because if you look at Multiverse of Madness, what does that spell? Mom. And Wanda is going to go to the end of the earth to chase down her kids. Right. Now, this is my point. Like, the series WandaVision ends on an incredible scene. The final scene with Vision is unbelievable. Um, But... I said it before, just a few moments ago, it still feels like something is missing from that series. Um, Do those gaps get filled in with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? They do, but it doesn't change the fact that something feels like it's missing from the finale of WandaVision. The other thing is that I agree that Multiverse of Madness is more Wanda's movie than anything else. It's a straight continuation of this show. Mm-hmm. It answers all of the questions that you have. It's her entire motivation in bringing her family back and seeing what her life is in the multiverse with her kids because all she wants is her children because at this point she doesn't even want Vision back. She just wants her kids. Yeah. Um. All of it makes sense. However... You shouldn't have needed a Doctor Strange sequel to tie up WandaVision the series. Yes. That's my biggest issue with it. Yeah, I mean, as far as this character with her family, I think we get a complete story. Because I sort of jumped ahead a little bit, but... That scene where she says goodbye to Vision rips your heart out. But even more so when they put the kids to bed and they realize that this is like the last time they're going to be a family, maybe, at least in this universe. I mean, she she knows. it. It's like watching the end of Titanic where they're tucking the kids in. You know that you're never going to see them again. It's terrible. Right. Uh, and truly heartbreaking. Um, but I do think that there is some truth to her goodbye with vision that they found each other again. So they will continue to do so somewhere. I don't think that we're done with Paul Bettany in the MCU. I think we're going to see vision again. I think we're going to see Paul Bettany as vision again. So I'm not too worried about that. I actually do think somewhere somehow, and this is somebody speaking who does not read the comics. So don't come at me that, Vision might be Wanda's antagonist in some universe. If she's trying to pursue the kids, the kids are now afraid of her. So I'm wondering if there's a place where they are with their dad and 
Wanda is still on the outside. I mean, that really is the whole point of Multiverse of Madness is that she realizes that she's done so much bad. Her kids are now afraid of her, so she can't necessarily have them in any universe. And that's why she is just going to embrace her power as a witch. Right. Um, but to to land the initial plane yes. <clears throat> with the end of this series, I think it was a perfectly fitting ending for their family in Westview, as sad as it is. Uh, and I think that an amazing series overall was ruined by one after the credit scene. We needed to see her with the Darkhold. No question about it. Uh, we needed to hear that Tommy and Billy are still out there somewhere uh, and know that she's going to chase them down. But I think that there was just maybe a different way to go about it. Like, I'm perfectly fine with this cabin in the woods, but that is completely ruined knowing that Doctor Strange was supposed to come in. How, however he was supposed to do it because you always get that that character right like it's never just a setup for the next movie you always get another character planted for the next storyline um and what bothers me now having seen dr strange is this is not where we find wanda right you find her in a completely different place unless it is the same place and this was all a projection too I, I don't think so, because when the projection goes away, I don't think it's the same place. I could be wrong, but... Right, because... No, I mean, she needs a house, but her physical body is... her No, her physical body is reading the Darkhold. The projection right. is the Wanda that's making tea. Yeah. So I think we can assume that she's living here, because then when Strange finds her, now she's on, like, this apple orchard or something. Right. Um... All right, well, look, you answered the question earlier, so I'm going to answer the question now. Was this better upon a second viewing? The answer is yes, it was better the second time around. Was it any less frustrating the second time around? No, the finale is no less frustrating. Where do I rank it in terms of series on Disney Plus? I I personally would not even put this in front of Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye was a better series than this because Hawkeye's story lives in Hawkeye's series. We don't need a film about another character to tie up Hawkeye. Right. That's the biggest problem. If we would have gotten Doctor Strange at the end of the series explaining that the television commercials which seemed like such a big part of every episode was his means of communicating with her and they tie it all around and they tie it to the Darkhold and then you use that as a springboard for the multiverse of madness. This is the best MCU series. It's still not better than The Mandalorian, but you could make an argument that it is close and you could make an argument for some people that perhaps it would be better than The Mandalorian just in terms of... Disney Plus series as a whole. But because they missed and because they admitted that they didn't finish, which was just the dumbest thing. And, and Kevin Feige is a super smart guy and he's very media savvy. The fact that you admitted that you didn't really finish it, people could have waited another month to get the finale 
of the show as we were supposed to see it. The fact that you admitted it, I kind of can't come back from that. So yes. the series is better. The gaps are filled. But the finale and the way that it ends is just as frustrating now as it was when I got up with you at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> to watch it. And it wasn't worth getting up at 3 a.m. to watch it. Right. No, and I think this speaks to a bigger conversation is the trouble that these franchise shows sometimes land themselves in where you need to know so much backstory to be able to understand what is happening. Uh, as a series, this should have been beginning to end a complete story. We shouldn't have needed Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, not another Wanda movie. We shouldn't have needed any movie to give this more context. Um, but second time around, I loved it just as much as the first time in different ways. I would actually say I liked it better because as we said, it left such a bad taste in our mouths on the finale. But I enjoyed the viewing experience just as much. I understood so much more just from paying attention to more. Forget even that we have Doctor Strange, but there was just so much more that I got out of it. Uh, and I definitely have a new appreciation for it now having seen Multiverse of Madness. Um, I didn't know what to make of it, but now I think I have an actual ranking of just the Marvel series. I'm not going to compare it to anything else on Disney Plus because I don't think that's fair. Uh, Hawkeye's still my jam. I love Christmas in New York, the sort of 90s nostalgia. I, I love that whole series. And it made me love Hawkeye so much more because he was never really one of my favorite characters. But that's a series you could go in knowing nothing, watch it, and and have a great appreciation for the character and not having seen anything else before it. Uh, but I loved Hawkeye. This is probably second for me then moon Knight, which you want to talk about not understanding what's going on we got to give that a rewatch and then probably loki yeah oh and uh and then falcon and winter soldier because um i love the characters i love what they tried to do i love that we were picking up on the cap story but um it, it just didn't do it for me no that that one didn't land my rankings are probably the same as yours at one point i actually had moon knight ahead of this it yeah had we, had we not sat to do the rewatch of this moon knight would have been number two um but yeah i think my rankings are similar to yours but we want to hear from you the listener our friend let us know what you have to say about wandavision does it have rewatchability do you get more out of it the more you watch it does it make more sense after Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on Verbal or your podcast platform of choice. I just gave you that social media. We are also on TikTok at Monoreal Radio. And for links to everything related to the show, it's online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.